0: So, in studio, we're joined by such a beautiful and dynamic woman. It's such a joy to see your
1: face. Look who's talking. Oh, come on. (laughs) The effervescence and energy that is... Jane. Oh, come on, this is your moment, okay? <laughs> uh, we say good
0: afternoon to Iman uh, Rapetti. Welcome to East Coast Radio. It's so lovely being here, and thank you for extending an invitation. I really appreciate it. So, of course, yeah, you probably remember, um, Iman, from being all over our TV screens in ENCA. But, I mean, you're a lady that has a, a, just a wide grasp of media and life, really. <laughs> and now you can add author
1: <laughs> to that list. I'm hoping for... Because, you know, you know, we're always pushing the bar higher and higher, right, Jane? So, uh, author... But then I want to be a best-selling author, then I want to be an award-winning author, then I want to be a globally award-winning best-published author, hey? If you can dream it, you can be it.
0: <laughs> Thank you, girl. Indeed. So, I mean, when you start off this memoir, book and the memoir is called The Becoming Iman, it's, it's a very dramatic start, right? I mean, the birth um, of a child being born into this world. Take us back to that day that you so very really, and honestly speak about.
1: <laughs> Yeah, Uh, baptism of fire in the birthing of my first child, Muhammad, who was born in a little village in Iran, about 230 Ks away from the capital Tehran in Qom. I know that we have Qom in South Africa means something totally different. (laughs) But you're in a religious city, which is um, almost like the Muslim world's answer to the Vatican city. So it's full of religious students from all over the world. Uh, And that's why we went there. But I barely spoke Persian. I'm having my first child. There's a book that's lying on the floor, you know, what to expect when you're expecting, the Bible of every expectant mother in the world. Um, And it meant nothing to me because nothing was happening as planned. And so I'm having this child in a strange country without my mother, got the arrival dates wrong. My mother had left Iran already, come back to South Africa. No knickknacks and all the things that I really wanted to eat and my my son is being born that day. It was traumatic, it was strange, it was totally unexpected.
0: You speak about your mum, and I have such a tight relationship with my mum. And I really um, felt that moment that when you went home for Christmas and you saw her at the gate and the way you described that moment. Take us back to that moment.
1: Well, it's part of our our annual ritual. I mean, you guys are so lucky. You get to be at the coast. You get to live here. And we come, we make the grand trek sort of once or twice a year. But it always begins with a stop in Petermaritzburg, which is where my mother lives. Um, And you just get this cornucopia of smells that emanates from her back gates from the kitchen and your mouth is already assailed by taste buds that are overproducing this expectant saliva because you're going to indulge in healthy helpings of trotters and beans and <laughs> beans curry and just about every beautiful dish that we can't make in Joburg. And so it's such a beautiful part of our ritual coming home and she makes it possible for us to re-invoke and rekindle childhood memories. And I mean, speaking about parents, obviously the other side
0: of the parents is your dad. And yeah. I've got to say in the book... When you speak about your dad's passing, it makes me want to cry because oh. that's that, that chapter death at the sink, the way you describe that moment kind of, it's an onslaught. That just catches you completely by surprise.
1: It is, and you're right. Nothing prepares you for it, you know. Um, and, and when you're, exp- and I'm really fascinated by people's the first time they ever had to lose someone that they really loved, or that they cared about. Especially when you're very young in your life, you're not emotionally mature. You're making sense of a world that is changing before your very eyes. And I, I reflect in the book. I write about you know the need for having um, a template for how you grieve. Almost in society, you know, mm. the, the coffin's got to get bored. Somebody's going to buy the cake, and people are going to come over, and you go to this entire pageant of mourning and grieving but it means something so different for each of us we're shaken in so many different ways and when my father died it was something i was not expecting because we had him for so for such a short time i was 16 when he passed away i really needed him we had a, a really close bond Um, as father and daughter we'd come through a lot of trauma in our family through the early years when he when he used to you know be an abusive husband he transformed thankfully and became a really loving husband and a very present father and he was um kind of like you know the lodestar in our family someone that we could hitch our wagons on and and he would lead the way and suddenly he was gone and we had to reconfigure our sense of family and self Mm,
0: difficult Mm.
1: your wedding day it's not like a normal
0: and inverted commas, because I'm not anything normal, but it wasn't yeah. a normal... No Brenda Farsi uh, on that day, I can tell you. <laughs> it wasn't a normal from a tie to everything, it was just kind of
1: you. Yeah, and this is the thing uh, and, You know you, you describe yourself in a similar way Which is so funny because my cousin was saying a Jane show. She reminds us so much of you so I feel that kind of like like twin resonance With, with doing things differently and, and being unusual sort of in, in, in society And our, our wedding uh, We didn't have a wedding right So we had a marriage ceremony Which was at the ignominious Durban Magistrates Court I mean it's not a really sexy building <laughs> um, We go through And uh, no one really knew that we were getting married that day But weddings and funerals can't go unreported for a long time so soon there were about six or seven people outside the courthouse that day all looking like they were at a funeral and not at at a wedding Mm. Um, but the pageantry of a lot of things in life um, weren't important to, to my husband at the time and myself we were incredibly stripped down in our existence Even in our thinking, I mean, we were were muscularized in our intellectualism, in our quest for philosophy and spiritual fulfillment, but in terms of the the accoutrement of of daily life, we didn't want all that stuff. We gave away all our possessions. We lived an incredibly simple and basic life. And I think our marriage was very symptomatic of that.
0: Mm. I mean, every girl wants the big wedding, right? I mean, if I think back, I mean, Mr. Mm. T and I celebrate our 10 year wedding anniversary at the end of this month. That's amazing! And I look back and I think, would I have changed anything? Other than riding around on an elephant, no. I mean, I got to wear the dress I wanted. So, I mean, do
1: you feel robbed from an experience of the girl's dream wedding? Ooh, girl. You know, because when you've grown up with this idea of that's your day and, you know, there's all this focus on you on that day and everyone's there to celebrate... I think I did miss an opportunity. Actually, in hindsight, um, even though I'm opposed to the, the the convention of marriage, which I think is so restrictive and prescriptive, and doesn't talk to who we are as human beings in this stage in our evolution as a society, some part of me, maybe it's that little girl that looked at the magazines and mm-hmm. went to weddings and thinks, "Hey, if I meet someone." I would like to do it like that. I'd love it to be a grand old celebration oh, with a, a fancy dress. Yeah. Eh?
0: And you know what? When love is the, the guest of the day, oh. it's such a special occasion. I mean, I got married in predominantly black. My mother, shame bless her. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't in her brochure, <laughs> but it was in mine. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you grew up in a very religious family. I mean, how did the poor poor hit the fan when they mm. heard that you were going from this very religious Christian family to another religion and moving away?
1: Well, you know, I was I was guilt tripped. So terribly, oh, Jane. Imagine. Ooh, you know that Jesus is looking at me and he's very sad and what I've just done. My family was not happy, also because, you know, maybe if it was another religion, like like maybe. Um, Anything else but Islam, which in their minds was this restrictive, cloistered, wearing all black religion, which obviously it is not. Um, they were confronted with the, an idea of the, of the faith that they had in their minds, a very negative idea. So their daughter going into this way of life was something that was almost very, I mean, it was almost impossible for them to connect to mentally or in any kind of way. Uh, and there was a lot of sadness in the beginning. And I must say, even the way I handled it, I, I was the most militant of people. Mm-hmm. And I, I've learned over the years that, you know, speaking in your own voice does not have to be an act of violence or aggression. Mm-hmm. You can own your space quietly and respectfully which i didn't really do in my family i caused ructions (laughs) as we say in durban so it was difficult for them to accept it was difficult for them to accommodate Um, and then of course i left soon after to go and live in iran so you know i kind of carried on there and when i got back things i had evolved a little bit and matured a little bit as a a human being as well but it was it was very very tough
0: i think you you touch on something interesting there i think we belong to a society that if you're quiet it means you're weak Mm -hmm. Whereas there's actually such strength in just, being know- just knowing when to, to speak and, mm. and not. And that comes with maturity, yes, doesn't it? It does. So, phew, I mean, living in Iran, you've married this guy. I mean, did your folks like him?
1: They didn't really know too much about him because I I lived, I navigated by my own lights. I I was never one to be part of the pack. I was, I wouldn't say a lone wolf because that's got all all kinds of (laughs) negative connotations in our society. But I I was incredibly individual. Um, And so, you know, I I forged this relationship with him, which caught him by surprise. Because you know how you go, boy meets girl, he asks you, hey, you want to date? And then you say, no. And (laughs) You know, cue breaks. Uh, and then like months and months later, I realized he was actually a really good person. We were on the same path. And then we didn't even really date. I just proposed to him. I said, let's get married. I think we should get married. We belong together. I when mean, you speak about the demise
0: of, of the marriage, yeah, but mm-hmm. you didn't really go into too much detail. You spoke on purpose. Giving it power, right?
1: That whole giving it power thing. Yeah. How did you meet? We met in church. I was singing uh, in the choir. I was singing probably an alto or a tenor. You know, something like, It is well with my soul. And he was there. Of course he was mesmerizing me in Hello Girl. <laughs> I mean, I'm... Irresistible, <laughs> honey. Totally. Um, and it sparks a conversation between us, um, in church of all places. And that was very much the location of, um, you know, a, a spiritual building or, or an edifice was very much a part of what accompanied, accompanied us in our journeys. First it was the church and then it was the mosque and now it's nothing because we've evolved through all of these revolutions out of religion, even though we're not together still. Our, um, Departure from Islam happened around the same time towards the end of our marriage and we 've continued to walk a- a- away from religion um, and towards a life that is labelless mm. a life that is purely forged on the principles of what is justice mm. what is what is true um, you know a, a, a true relinquishing of all the things in our society that um, scaffold patriarchy that scaffold misogyny that place an over-reliance on, on God to be the grand fixer of our problems. When We we are literally, Jane, in, in my view, the God in our lives. We, we wear our good and bad here. We pay for our sins here. And, and to me, that's the most honest way to live. Because yeah. a lot of people do a whole lot of cock can I say that? Uh, here on the planet. And then they expect, at the end, some grand absolution from all the rubbish they've done to people. Mm-hmm. But if you are so conscious of how you exist, not to harm someone else, to be truly accountable, I think we'll be better as a species as, as, as a humanity,
0: we are more alike than you think. That is amazing, and I, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. I mean, you got two kids together, three, three kids mm. together. Mm. Uh, uh, is there ill feeling? I mean, do you? Pa- I mean, how does that work as now navigating as, as,
1: as parents? <laughs> uh-huh. Isn't it always fun the post because we're in a cold war uh, in, in the post scenario? But our, our children have never been the instruments of our war. Um, and I think that's so important that when people split up, especially when there was, there's a lot of passion and there's a lot of, um, you know, feeling of hurt and betrayal, and, and, and it's a war zone, effectively, that your children don't have to become collateral damage. And we were very careful um, not to let that be a consequence of our separation. Um, and so we remain incredibly doting parents. We love our children. We've been really blessed to have not the easiest kids. Jane, when you're growing up in a house that doesn't have religion and kids are taught from a young age to express their point of view to develop their minds and their reasoning abilities so they debate a lot and it can be exhausting because you want to give them a clap and send them to bed Yeah, but we can't do that because we've created a life that perhaps is a higher existence and using violence as um, a response to something that you don't like so it's complex but they're they beautiful and they're just so worth
0: the effort I mean you speak about religion I mean I know what my kids get at school as far as religion you have to subscribe to something i mean when you go and fill out a medical mm. you know what is your who do you believe in mm. i would love you know
1: <laughs> um and race it's human
0: human race <laughs> i know i have blood like you and a heart like yours mm. uh, so i mean do you
1: get grief from society because you are labelless? you'd be surprised how some people see it as an invitation to explore their own sense of freedom mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes in being so defiantly individual, Mm. and I know maybe that sounds a little bit selfish in the world in which we live, which is very self-indulgent. I don't mean it in the negative sense. Mm. But when we begin to have permission to own ourselves and to say, this is not a life that I had in mind for myself and I'm going to choose something else, that people who are listening to that might be hearing it for the very first time. Oh, I I, I can question my existence. And if I don't like it, I can do something about Mm -hmm. it. That is an invitation to tap into their own power. Yeah. And I think that is incredibly provocative. And and it's so so beautiful more than in the interactions that I have with people than off-putting. People aren't put off by that. I I think it gives them a lovely option to think
0: about Mm -hmm. in their lives. It excites me because I think it's when people that have purpose and platform and profile that stand up and say something different it's the kind of thing that I think with depression like when you get a Robin Williams and you get a Kate Spade Mm. and you get a this person Mm. and a that person, it's all of a sudden I can talk to you about being sad I can Mm. talk to you about being depressed and it's actually a responsibility that we need to keep conversing about you have an opportunity to think for yourself
1: Mm. and you can add my name to Robin Williams I have struggled not with depression in the diagnosed sense but I just know that I I felt sad very many times in my life I've considered suicide many many times in my life Um, every day for me is an act of Defiance and deciding to live, Mm. because I'm also not a middle of the road kind of person. I'm an extremist, Jane. If I love you, I love you extremely. Um, If I don't like you, I will pursue an opportunity to have a conversation with you extremely. Mm. Um, And so, in that extremity, is you know, it comes. It brings a low that comes after the high, and it's been very hard for me to sometimes contain that, um, deal with it, Mm. unravel it face it and get over or get past it. And it's a daily struggle for me as well. So if anyone's listening and and you feel sad, you're not alone in feeling sad, especially when you feel like it's a debilitating kind of sadness. It's real. It happens to a lot of people.
0: And I think I identify with that again because, you know, when I come to work, I put my best foot forward. I'm always happy. And you look amazing, Oh, thank you. And I Mm. always see the silver lining. Mm. But because there's so much joy and so much love, there is a low that follows that. Mm. So it's almost managing this peak and trough, peak and Mm. trough, peak and trough, and Mm. then you throw in Marriage, the world, finances, <laughs> work, and all of a sudden it's just like you. Juggle, 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 go, 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 go. But talk, it's, it's talking, it's, it's, it's being a touch point for each other that is so absolutely important.
1: But wouldn't it be lovely if we were in a space where we gave people permission to let their guard down a little bit, to be a little bit ugly and not that well put together? We're so judgmental as a so- society collectively. And I, I often urge people to just take a minute longer. Before you make up your mind about someone mm-hmm. and slap them with a the label, yep. have a little more kindness. Oh, man.
0: And in, a in a world where you can choose people. to be anything, choose yeah. to be kind. Yeah. And I'm also on this huge drive for mothers to drop the guard and say, you know what? I'm not dealing today. That's okay. I don't like my children sometimes. <laughs> I want to pack a bag and go away sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. It is. You know the song uh, Eminem uh, with the real slim shady please stand up. You know that song? So So can I I say the real
1: slim shady please stand stand up. up, Please please stand stand up. up.
0: So can the real Amon please stand up because I believe that's not your name. Say my name, say my
1: name, Destiny's Child. <laughs> oh, God, now you must say my name is Vanessa. <laughs> and by the way, so I'm in KZN, right? My book launches last night, and uh, my mom is there, and my, my friends from my old church, they can't call me Iman. They don't know me as Iman, so it's Vanessa. I, I'm fine with that because a name doesn't contain me. And I, I respect their background as well. Um, I respect their history and their memory of me or how they, they perceive me. I'm okay with that because, you know, it, it's not a... I'm not my name necessarily yeah. mm-hmm. labels labels mm-hmm. labels I mean you grew up uh, you know
0: in a dark state in South Africa um, the apartheid era uh, I know what my experience was as a white South African growing up what was what was it the experience like for you
1: the biggest thing I think that I, I remember is I mean we interface with our lives realities on, on a very very personal level so which beach can you go to oh you can't go to that beach because you're not white can you go to the movies no you can't go to that movie because you're not white um, and so what it did was create a very negative pathology in our communities as 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 colored, I hate the word, but brown or mixed Indian communities where the standard of beauty was to have, you know, your skin tone, to be white, to be lighter, to sound whiter just so that you could fit in. And so Apartheid was very successful at making what was naturally beautiful ugly. I've got a bigger bum and I've got hips to there. You know, Um, and when I was growing up, my body shape was not a body shape that was celebrated in society. It was the Jane Fonda skinny you know washboard hips and, and and so on that were accepted pancake bums um and i'm so glad even though i'm not a huge fan of like the kardashian empire and clans and you know whatever but in a world in which bigger booty and i'm not saying that they originated because you know whatever mm. there's a whole controversy around that but mm. the fact that um a, a, an african body shape in the sense of here in kzn our bigger hips our wider hips our, our bigger bums are Aspects of beauty now in our society. And I'm, I'm so glad, and you can see I'm wearing a very tight dress. I called it a sausage case. You look hot. Thank you, honey. <laughs> Flames. <laughs> and, but, but apartheid took that love for us naturally away. It took it away and it left that pathology in a lot of our men as well, who we still see whiteness as a standard of beauty. Um, and, and, and I love that things are changing so much in our country and you can see people who have a range of beautiful attributes that are celebrated because. That's that's what's good. That's what's more evolved in our society. That's what's right. Mm.
0: Getting closer to it, huh hey? mm. So three children. Um, Rudy Lutman said a very interesting thing to me, and I asked her what motherhood had taught her, and she said uh, Anton Harbour said that you think you're shaping your children, but they're actually shaping you. Mm. What's the biggest lesson that your children have taught you? Because it's usually the question is what big you know what lessons are you teaching your children? Yeah.
1: Well, on on that is that. Growing and learning we don't begin with a textbook for for, for mothering or parenting our children What I the, the biggest lesson that I learn from my children every day is not to make assumptions about who they are Where they are and where they want to be in their lives it is to allow them to have that process flow organically for them free Relieved of your expectations and your wanting to live vicariously through your children mm. They have the right <clears throat> To leave their DNA on their own dreams. They have the right to exist in the way that they see themselves as belonging in the world. They need the freedom of the environment to be able to develop that maturely, to, to find themselves. So you've got to give them the space to move like Brownian motion, as they say in the science labs. You know, To experience, to make mistakes, to rise, to fall, to know that you will be a soft place to always receive them for them to land um and and that for me has been so incredibly freeing for me because it's also allowed me to think well what points of view have i held on to and dogma have i held on to for the longest time that maybe i need to free myself of um in the way that i'm encouraging them to live um and and that for me has been a beautifully we're in a mutual classroom here there's no overlord teacher
0: Mm.
1: we're learning this thing together Mm. amazing do you have a favorite part in the book that you wouldn't mind reading for us mm-hmm. oh gosh there's there's there are so many um okay probably do we have to pause do we have to talk no. over something or um <laughs> just one little paragraph um, craving wholeness. Oh and I, I, I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm torn. <laughs> it's like torn. choosing your favorite child. <laughs> it is like choosing a, a favorite child. <laughs> Maybe actually, I love um the sexual revolution because mm-hmm. you know you again you think that you have everything under control and you know who you are as a sexual being, but. Uh, I mean, it's a huge part of our lives, isn't it? Um, and yet, when you when you end your marriage and you are back out in the pond or in the ocean, so to speak, um, you have to develop a whole new style about yourself. I mean, who am I as a as a being that is you know attractive and is wanting to attract? So, it was a huge challenge for me when my marriage ended to kind of be out of that uh, again. But um, here it is. I'm going to build one of those famous flyovers. Definitely not like that engineering disaster of a highway in. Canada. Cape Town that goes nowhere, but an elegantly efficient one that can neatly swoop over, let's call it, the gaping, crocodile-infested chasm that defined my marriage in the imploding years. When I met the mister to whom I would become missus, I'd largely carried the fear of God and plagues in respect of sexual dalliances. Of course, there was the understandable dabbling in discovery and lightly dodging the licking tongues of hellfire, so I was untouched in the biblical sense when I finally let my ex-husband cross the frontier. He was the only one, the anointed. And then it goes on into how I began to define my... You know who who I was as a sexual being. There's other delicious chapters. I one that, that I that I that I love that I that I think are just so amazing. But that will be for people to to pick up the book to go yes. out and buy and, and, and to discover. One
0: other quick question. So what's it like being single in 2018? Are you on Tinder? are you on, are you on all the apps? I mean, how
1: does it work these days? I've been out of it for so oh, long. Oh Lord, no! I just know that apparently you've got to swipe right. But- <laughs> No, it's not for me, guys. It's not for me. Also, because when you have a public profile, you don't know what you're going to attract. So I I just, I I mean, I I stay away from that. I try and get my friends to like introduce me to their friends, their single friends. And it's kind of by word of mouth at the moment. But, um, you know, I'm looking for someone who is just so full, not full of themselves, full in themselves, um, who are just, I don't know, just amazing and different and quirky and funny and deep and... Can I go on? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more and more as we're speaking. Would it be nice to have a bit of a bank balance? It's it yeah, doesn't know, hurt. Yeah, it's in, pay for dinner once in a yeah, while. That would be awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, all I can say is that I think the universe has got you covered. And timing is everything. And all will be as it should. Says the one who's been married for 10 years happily. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it has been such a joy. My heart can literally implode. Oh, you're so kind, Jane. It's been lovely being here. And this is... Can I just say really quickly... The sisters in this whole journey, uh, and they're primarily sisters in your team, Precious Summer, yourself, um, have been so beautiful um, in supporting and giving me a platform. And I love it. And we need to do that more for each other as women. Everywhere we are, reach out to a sister yes. help her out yes and I think there's also this mindset that there isn't enough pie to go around
0: oh there's loads listen there's so much pie it's in the oven now and we can share it you know what I mean thank you for your honesty and your realness and your vulnerability all through the book I could
1: smell the sandalwood I could feel the pain <laughs> I could. I was living the experience wow thank
0: you Jane where
1: can we get your book it's available at all good bookstores. Good book uh, you can go to iman.africa if you want to place an order it's on kindle it's on amazon it's everywhere honey where you gotta be where you gotta be (laughs) lots of love to you thank you for your time thank you and all love to you